You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to talk to Rajesh Kumar about marketing in APAC. Rajesh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Now, this is a special episode because this is the first time we have a guest from the Asia-Pacific region on the podcast. So I'm super excited to dig into the topic because a lot of our audience, as they think about going international, want to understand how do you market around the world. But before we do that, can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are today, please? Yeah, thanks so much. You know, I've had sort of very varied things that I've done in my life. I started out being a, being an engineer because automobiles interested me. So I worked in industrial automation for a bit. And then I wanted to do something new that I did, went to a business school, then went into actually alcohol industry. That seemed quite exciting out of campus. And then went into consumer goods, sold candies and gums for a bit, and then jumped onto a startup, which uh, didn't do well. That got me to tech industry. Then I went off and uh, joined uh, you know, Microsoft. Then I worked for SAP and uh, yeah, SMB, B2B software. And now I work for a very interesting startup in the AI and uh, software automation space for the last couple of years. I have lived, worked, and traveled across APEC, um, India, Singapore, worked in a lot of global companies, uh, both out of the US and European, across sectors. So interesting to observe what works, what doesn't. And other than that, general interest, I'm interested in, I'm a tinkerer, so I dabble in a whole bunch of things from art, photography, travel, food, mixology, all sorts of things. So that's me. Wow, I mean, you've done a lot. I think the only thing that I think, I'd be really surprised if you say, hey, you know, on the weekends, I DJ at other places. I would be like, you are the man, like we have to meet up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's interesting you ask that because, you know, I try to learn music unsuccessfully for many years. And I don't give up easily, but that's one thing I gave up after seven, eight years. I said, this is not my thing. I'm better listening than trying to play. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm serious. If you would have said that, that that's what you also do. I've, I would have dropped everything and said, you know what? We're going to do this podcast live and in some place in India. And uh, uh, and we're going to record this. And maybe we even do a live stream from, for, uh, of it. Yeah. That, I would, that would be fun, though. <laughs> yeah, why not? So, so let's let's dig in a little bit uh, into into the topic and uh, and again this is the topic is a little near dear to my heart as well because you know even for demand matrix which is the company that I work for we have had the opportunity to expand globally very quickly and and in a global first world today almost every startup has the ability to go global and service different markets and and market in different countries but almost all of them struggle with one, where do I start? 
and how do I market? And then, you know, conventional wisdom is like, take whatever is working in one country and just try it out in the other country and then iterate from there. So would be would love to understand uh, the the framework that you've used for marketing in APAC and how you've developed it over the years. Yeah. It's interesting you ask that. I mean, at one side, for a while, Western brands, because those markets are, you know, matured, uh, be looking at the East and Eastern markets for growth. But uh, at the same time, you know, sometimes they don't realize the Eastern brands are getting stronger and they are looking out and growing in the West, you know, some organic and some through acquisition. So it's actually, you know, we should also, I think, keep that in mind as more brands come in here. Right? A few things in my mind, you know, what I would look at. Uh, one, of course, you know, this is a very attractive market. It has about two thirds of world's population. Purchasing power has been going up consistently. Uh, a number of economies are still growing despite all challenges. Very large amount of youth, you know, which will now consume and consume in future as well. But one thing that everybody wants to get most definitely is the diversity of the region, which always tends to get underboard. And uh, especially if someone is trying to address this market, you know, sitting somewhere else. Even simple things like time zone is hard to get. You know, it goes from GMT plus four to GMT plus 13. So there is no one Asia time. So if you want to set up an event, if you, even if you want to set up a call, it can have completely, you know, uh, different ramification depending on how you want to think about it. You know, I've had situations when somebody wanted to come and do one you know, large event for Asia Pacific. It never works. There is no one Asia Pacific. You know, there are, uh, you know, so many different uh, languages, you know. So there is no one catch-all alphabet for this region. I'm not even talking about dialects. And then there are socioeconomic differences. There is a level of development. On one side, you have very developed markets like, you know, Japan, Australia, uh, even Korea. And then you have markets which are still in the developing phase. You know, if you look at a number of markets in Southeast Asia, right? And, and these markets, uh, that's why I say the, you know, it's obviously very different from the rest of the world, but there is a significant diversity and variance within the region as well. And if you look at Japan and ANZ, like I said, they are fairly mature in adoption and consumption. Uh, although there is still a penchant for uh, uh, local, you know, and catering to local tastes and so on. And then there are really small but very high growth markets which are leapfrogging all trends like Vietnam. You know, they are targeting investment of 80 billion in new technologies and probably fast becoming new factory of the world. You know, and then there are significant cultural differences if you think of a high touch culture or you know, uh, as a high personal touch or a low touch culture that has implication on how you market, how you engage, how you interact. And, and then there are some very large markets in this region, like China is a, you can single out China, you know, it's such a huge market. You probably don't want to merge it with, you know, any other market. So these are some of the things I would uh, say you got to keep in mind. And uh, one more thing I will add actually, how you communicate. I mean, a lot of these markets and digital penetration is quite high. 
and many of the markets have been mobile first because they never went to pc they accessed internet from the mobile some cases they got mobile before they got even a traditional landline phone which is unimaginable for possibly somebody who grew up in a you know in a western market but at the same time the traditional media is still strong in many markets because that has more tangibility is more credible and uh, you know people still look at word of mouth being strong so i'll stop here maybe i'll go to your next you know i'll cover when we talk more but does that yeah, answer no. what you were looking for yeah yeah it it does and and so it's it's interesting about the new the different nuances around the segment of the population right then the language then the time zone and so as somebody who's in your role and and covering let's say the the, re- the region uh then then what is your framework for 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 marketing right because i'm i'm sure events was huge uh but now we're we're in a different era and uh and I, i guess in the us we would say oh let's put them in a nurture campaign and then let's follow up and then let's have our inside sales reps like send these guys emails and try to connect with them and drop them voicemails and stuff and i don't think that i mean again based on just what you're saying that model is not potentially going to work well in apac but maybe it is right so i would love to get some guidance on okay so we have the, all of these nuances to work with but then here are the ways that you put a team in place or scale a team it's there yeah i i think few things you know and you're right i mean that was just an example i took that's not the you know only or the main tactic that you would go after if you look in a typical b2b market you know the uh the it's not i think the first biggest thing to plan whether you work in this market from here or work in this market from elsewhere is that it is not a single market you know even what usually gets clubbed as asean or southeast asia has 11 markets and five languages right so therefore what connects with people is different so you need to fundamentally relook at your you know brand proposition and positioning itself and in b2b for example i would you know typically look at uh, oem or a tech company having a single messaging which they would want to flow across the world but what drives people adoption can be very different for example if i take you know example of uh, a software solution right uh, i mean like the category i am in you know automation right so in a market like southeast asia the cost of labor is low right and so they will look at it very differently but growth is high so they want to scale up and they want to do things quicker faster so they will look at that technology from a growth and you know speed uh, perspective whereas if i go to a market like japan which has a huge aging population and they have a challenge of not enough people at work so they are potentially looking at you know renewing refreshing and adding to workforce to manage you know that change so both scenarios the messaging is going to be quite different right and you know and and the in the, the way you communicate can be quite different as well i mean nowadays you are looking at a lot of things as a single flavor uh, everywhere but each of these markets if you look at many of these markets the national pride is quite high and the affinity for local language culture and how they are communicated to is very high so you need to localize be it your website be it your social 
communication, be it your campaigns, that in a manner, you know, which is, which makes sense for them. And it goes down to not transliteration when you localize, but actually localizing. And that includes element like tonality, you know, what is the actual message you are giving and going down to visual. And you have to go for these markets in that manner. So, so therefore, given the large size and number of markets, it is make completely prudent to look at and prioritize which markets make sense and therefore lead with those markets. And depending on the nature of audience, nature of maturity and consumption pattern in that market, design your campaigns and communication and approach there and the tactics. You know, some markets are advanced, uh, therefore you will go completely digital. Some markets you will have to use a hybrid model because while they are mobile first and digital, but need for personal touch is still high. You know, that's how business is done, right? And again, culturally, some markets still organizations are very hierarchical if you're in a B2B environment. So you want to see how does your demand unit work there and who do you need to approach and how does the decision process work and therefore customer journey and the buying process, right? And therefore your communication in that sense. I mean, one, one little anecdote I'll tell you, for example, in the current oh. scenario of uh, crisis, where physical things are anyway, you know, all come to a standstill. For the, uh, uh, you know, virtual meetings or virtual events or webinars also, I mean, it's actually quite hard to get uh, audience in this region to engage in, in a number of markets because by nature, they are very shy. They're not comfortable speaking up. They're not comfortable asking a lot of questions. So to a Western speaker, that might mean people are not engaging or the content is not making sense, which may not be the case. So you think of it differently. You think of visual aids, which will illustrate your point, you, you know, because your accent may not work for people. And you think of uh, things like encouraging engagement over a chat. You know, people may be more comfortable asking questions over, uh, you know, writing them down and asking those questions and, you know, so on and so forth. So does that? Uh, it um, does. It does. And I'm just thinking, like, as you're saying this, right, there's two questions that I have in my mind. One are, what is, do you use agencies in APAC? And if the answer is yes, then do, do you use, like, global agencies or local agencies? Like, how does one think about that? Because I'll pause for the other question. I just want to hear your comment, comments on just the use of agencies in the region. It's an interesting question you ask. And I think most global companies, in terms of current market size, APAC tends to be the smaller region versus Americas or EMEA, right? And therefore, whatever works there tends to get rolled down, right? So I think it's, you know, while a global approach or, you know, at a high level in terms of brands, mission, vision, and purpose, you know, may make sense, but this region is just too diverse to have any local flavor work. And I've had a lot of experience in that when a global agency is trying to roll down and you know how agency world works. They have, you know, some places they have their direct presence. They are all network of agencies, some place they have partners and so on and so forth, right? So what is required in this region really is 
is definitely local agencies even within the region you know there is not possible to have one single agency you need agencies in those markets like i said you really need to localize in the true spirit right and you cannot do it you know remotely so even simple things like translation i mean if you translate something in japanese or thai or korean sitting out of a global agency in us that is almost 99% of the times will never work because no one says how something is to be done is is quite different and it's all for the right reasons so you have to have local muscle and that mindset if you want to be in those markets it's actually much rather to skip a market rather than trying to do one size fits all or use a you know same flavor for them and and is there like a a magazine or a website or like if i'm starting uh, to think about global marketing like where do i go to even find local agencies see it depends on the size of the market and most cases you have to know the market i haven't come across any such single insightful thing i think anz tends to be more like the western markets japan is very developed but still very very specific to how things need to get done and mostly need to be done from there for that market right probably similar in uh, korea asean is a lot of smaller markets there may be some ability to aggregate in singapore you know because lot of the agencies out of singapore have a strong asean footprint and they understand or they have counterparts there uh, and i think that covers uh, most of it i mean india i guess can work better with the global agencies because language is not so much of a uh, so much of an issue yeah. yeah so i guess in the west there is a big trend about everything has to be data driven right like we have all kinds of data about the companies all kinds of data about the people in those companies what they like what they don't like how they shop how they buy software like like we have like data overload right and uh, and and given that that uh, some of as you're sharing the apac market is mobile first right there the ability to capture data about those people's behaviors is actually even increased right so like does the concept of data driven marketing exist in apac or maybe specifically india uh um uh, and and if so like what types of data is available so so good question you ask absolutely yes i think data driven is the way to go for marketing of course with the right you know insight and therefore the right answer and answer may go beyond data but data for insight absolutely however i think the data sets in this region have a number of different complexities you know one is languages because you know if you are running a crm or if you are running even social listening you know uh, for insights or any other kind of data you know the difference of uh, the, the 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 complexity of languages makes it really hard to run any kind of analytics from a single source i mean what will work in in, in japan china korea or even market like you know thailand will be very different therefore you need to figure out a way to capture those in these languages 
The second thing is that most of these insight, you know, uh, tools that today, and I don't want to name any specific, I've experimented with two when it comes to account-based marketing. You know, the logic doesn't work because the quality of data set for these markets is not very good. And these markets have been a bit behind the curve in terms of the data availability, thermographic, technographic, or you know, decision maker mapping and so on and so forth, right? So maybe the size, you know, it's the chicken or the egg sometimes, right? Because the size wasn't large, so nobody invested. And since nobody invested, you know, we don't have a great data set. I think now I see a trend where a lot of the larger global companies are trying to tie in with local vendors and local data providers to, to, to bring it together and get inside. I think it's a bit easier in B2C because you capture a lot of it you know, more easier. It's a bit yeah. harder for B2B. It's essential, but it's not yet there. It's actually a challenge. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting because I have a, another customer of ours, and and we're working with them on a global basis. And so we did a, a let's call it a mini roadshow, right? So we spoke with people on their sales and marketing teams in Singapore, in Thailand, in Malaysia, in Australia, New Zealand, China, and 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 what came out of it was was up until six months ago, all of the sales and marketing activity was very field oriented. And now based on where the world is moving, everybody is forced to think about how do we digitally activate, right? But those relationships that have been built have been built over over a number of years, especially in let's call it mid-market and above, right? Like mid-market enterprise sales and marketing being done in these countries is, <clears throat> is I guess once you start in it, then you just go through with, uh, with it as life uh, in, in them, right? And so I'm sure as you are thinking about your current startup, like, like, like what are some of the things that you guys are thinking about? How do you reach people in all of next year, let's say, for example? Yeah. So I think, you know, so we are a relatively, you know, new age and uh, we were born global. So we have been digital first, uh, you know, right from the beginning. So I think over the last few years, we've built fair amount of strength in terms of our web properties and content. So we get a very high amount of uh, you know, traffic and engagement across all of our digital social properties, which puts us in a, a very good place to be able to engage and interact with our audience. And then I think we are enriching it with very market specific uh, initiatives, you know, like enriching data. So I'm using a very different approach and set of, uh, you know, service providers to enrich my data here okay. uh, in India and uh, in different markets and then bringing them back into the system. And uh, you know, then of course, you know, B2B, you tend to get very, very specific. You know, there is nothing which is very broad brush, right? You start looking at how do you go deeper with your existing customers and therefore how do you you know expand within their organization to both uh, horizontally and vertically and therefore you map decision makers and do within them so it is almost yep. in account marketing so you go deeper yep. and therefore your ability to you know, do that goes up because you you reduce the expanse right and then the other market is where you are trying to go new there again 
I mean, you, you, it helps to be data driven to get specific to industry verticals. And like you said, it, you know, company sizes, and uh, if you have a way to measure their propensity and then, uh, you know, go with them and then use, I mean, I've stopped looking at digital, non-digital because everything is digital today. Yep. I think, you know, within that a human touch or a non-human touch or how the human touch is made more effective and efficient by use of digital insights. So those are the approaches, you know, we are taking and we are actually designing and running programs in that vein. And what has become apparent in this last few months because of the crisis, I think it has accelerated acceptance of digital as the primary or even the sole media of engagement, you know, forget marketing, even in sales, right? Mm -hmm. And because the use was forced, everybody was, you know, had to do it. And now people are beginning to see a lot of the positive outcomes of that, you know, how it can be more efficient and effective. And I think that will continue. I think the need for human touch and relationship will not go away, but the balance, new balance will be very different, you know, and uh, we will be very conscious and uh, careful, even the consumers or customers about where they want to have uh, you know, a physical interaction and, and where a digital is, is actually quite okay. No, no. No, superb. And, and, you know, as you're sharing all this wisdom with me, I'm, I'm just thinking like if I were to start, right? And, and one key takeaway I'm think, taking is like, if you can't localize in a market, just skip it yeah. because it's not worth it, right? I, I, I would love to get some other gems or, or, or maybe if you have like a playbook or, the top three things to think about when you're starting to think about market and APAC. Do you like, do you have some guidance on just here are the three things you absolutely need to think about, or here are the five things you must know. Uh, do you, do you have some pointers in that direction? Um, yeah, let me, let me try to get my thoughts on that. I think first, if the, if, if I'm talking to an audience sitting out of a global or a regional head office elsewhere, I think you have to understand and think local and you have to be here. You cannot do this remotely and expect it to succeed, you know, unless it's a very specific product category which operates at a layer where, you know, nothing matters, right? which will probably be very few and far in between. Second, like I said, you know, choose, you know, and prioritize which markets you want to be, which markets you can do without. Maybe it means a phased approach rather than all at once, or at least priority markets and rest can, you know, come along uh, at the right point of time. And third to me is that you have to investigate, understand, you know, the propensity and attitudes, consumption habits, and what are the drivers of consumption or demand? And do positioning of your brand and articulation of your campaigns in line with that. Maybe what you do globally works with a little tweak. Maybe it's completely different for this region or even for a market to market. Because always it will be a function of how much resource sources outcome you're expecting. So, you know, prioritize, pick those, but the ones you pick, then, you know, you do justice so that that can pave the way for future growth. 
Yeah, and and totally like like given that I've grown up across the world as well, like the context of the word starts to matter a lot, right? And so we, at least in the U.S., spend so much time in getting our narrative correct and getting the keywords properly done, and and then Absolutely. and then then so many people have put so much energy into it. Then now they're set on it, right? And then when you take the same words. And and uh, and if you don't localize them and just just spread them out over the world, that the context may completely backfire, uh, because you might be you might have great intentions of reaching to the world and explaining why you can help them better than whatever else that they're already using. But if you don't understand the context of the language and the tonality, and as you're saying, the the way people consume content. Uh, it may completely backfire. So I actually think it's actually extremely dangerous if you don't holistically think about which countries you're going to enter, or even you know you can call like eleven people up. Like a lot, there's a lot of LinkedIn usage, and just ask some of those people like, how do you consume content? Like, what do you, where do you go? What do you do? And uh, and and what sites do you visit? And then at least you have a start, and then you can go talk to those sites and say, how do you market? And and again, it's a little bit of a process, but the outcome is so much better because you're not guessing at that point in time, right? You take make you're taking a calculated risk. And I think digital today allows you that, right? And the way I think about again, I think this crisis has somehow accelerated that thinking. The, the whole idea that somebody has to sit in a physical headquarter office, right, is no longer a valid idea. And somebody could be a part of global marketing, but could be sitting anywhere, right? That would mean somebody who really understands and therefore brings that you know, knowledge and acceleration to that market versus it being a job rotation for somebody classically in an organization. Right? So I think the whole idea of work, workplace and workforce and how do they interact and therefore who needs to be where to be effective. I think it's probably a new paradigm that's possible to think now. Fantastic. Well, don't just, get me I'm, wrong. I mean, many many areas there is an aspirational aspect for developed markets. Right? I mean, if you look at larger corporations in a B two B scenario in Asia, you know they're not looking at other corporations in Asia as their competition. They're probably looking at global corporations, global best practices. So for them, an approach led by that would work. Right. But if you're looking at a mid market and below, those organizations are probably too far away from a Fortune 500. So they are looking at somebody who's closer home, who has done it, and therefore they get confidence. So for them, the approach may be different, right? Yeah. It's just that I don't think it's a one size fits all and yeah. not necessarily everything global is not is not is wrong. It's just, yep. I think what needs to be used where requires a little deliberation. Yeah, I, I, I would love to follow up. And I, I know we like to keep these podcasts in, in bite chunks because and we focus on, but like in a few months, I'd love to circle back and talk to you about segment marketing, right? Because there's the 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 different areas or the different geographies, let's call them. But in the different geographies, there is the enterprise, the mid-market and SMB. And, and that's also another lens, right? So there's, at least to me, it's like there's a matrix of how you pinpoint and where you go and, and you start and slowly, slowly you build, build into it. Uh, but Thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, let's move to a little bit, uh, as the, at least I think of it as it's, it's a little bit of fu uh, the fun part of this podcast. And, and on this, in this part, we always ask people if, uh, 
if they could they could recommend two other guests that we should bring on to the show who are passionate about go to market uh, if from the region that they're in and the reason why i say i we ask that is because every guest that comes onto the show actually leaves a part of themselves on the show and has helped shape the show and so when we started this pod, this podcast we were talking to a lot of uh, uh, i would say the the frontline folks and then and, and middle management and then we realized that uh, that that there were a lot of the heroes behind the heroes which are the vps that are doing a lot of really good work but but don't don't necessarily have a chance to explain or share why they're doing what they're doing and so that's where this question came from so i'd love to get a couple of good people that you trust and respect in the region that we could bring on the show yeah no, that's a good point i think because you know you will get uh, much uh, you know a much uh, richer perspective you know uh, that way so i would recommend two people who i worked quite closely with i would recommend uh, zarina stanford she's actually now in the us she was also my manager in my previous role she's currently global head of uh, marketing for axpace and i can happy to introduce i think she has rich insights both of the uh, western markets and asian markets and she probably be able to do a very rich uh, contrast you know because i came more from apac experience not directly handling western markets she'll provide you that and the other very interesting uh, person is uh, another lady her name is uh, k i'll introduce to her she currently is head of marketing apac at sap and she has fairly rich insights in japan uh, which i think is a very unique market so i'll suggest uh, those two ex colleagues and friends that would be fantastic and th- thank you thank you for, for i'm happy to make introductions yeah yeah no, this would be, be great because we have so like like our audience has become such activated on this podcast because we talk about things and we talk about ideas but we talk about how do you take action on those ideas too right and so connecting with all these this rich experience uh, uh, would be would be fantastic okay so the, the next part that we have for you and this is at least for the marketers it's a fun one because it actually allows them to share a little bit of their marketing skills right is uh, if we were to condense this podcast into a hashtag uh, what would your hashtag be Uh, I was thinking about it actually, and uh, nowadays I spend a lot of time on Insta, so I, I thought it should be no filter APAC. Great, and why? Why do you say that? Yeah, yeah, I say because you know we are all trying to see this through somebody else's eyes or somebody else's filter, but I really think you just need to experience it for yourself, and that's what will give you the right. answers even if it is bit by bit so that's why i think you know you have to see it yourself no filter either digitally invest time or if possible physically spend some time to appreciate the nuances and that will give you much deeper insight so initial investment but much richer longer term return but fantastic point and so as we wrap this podcast up how can people connect with you because i'm sure when we post this this uh, podcast out uh, on uh, through our media channels people are going to want to know and and uh, and connect with you because of the rich background that you have in marketing and apac so what would be the best way for people to connect with you yeah i am actually active on most of the social channels so for work you can reach me on linkedin 
or on Twitter. Uh, maybe you can uh, provide my hashtags I shared with you already, my handles. And I'll actually, since this is a forum of marketers, I'll also connect to, love to connect with like-minded people on hobbies, which I mentioned earlier. So I have a food page on Instagram where I, nice. <laughs> where I post regularly, which is called Home Chef on Weekend. So I'd love to connect with people. Uh, my Twitter handle is Rajesh K. Jindal and same is on uh, LinkedIn as well. Terrific. Well, Rajesh, once again, thank you for coming on to the show and thank you for taking some time. You are, I would say, not to say, but you are the first uh, uh, guest that we have from, from, from APAC and, and, uh, and it's a fantastic topic that we picked to get this series kicked off. And, and, uh, and once again, thank you for coming on the show and best of luck in your journey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All the best. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.